You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. We have one of our good friends on the show today. We want to welcome Aaron Hayes of Inquire Solutions. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I should actually say welcome back to the program because you've already joined us once before. I have. So fun. <laughs> well, we're ready to have some more fun uh, around metrics. And some people might think like, how are metrics fun? But actually, there's a lot of people in the industry that are so hungry for more metrics. They want more metrics. They want to be able to get the right kind of data around solutions that they're trying to provide and goals that they've set. And the only way you can do that is by being able to track, being able to measure and get those metrics, right? And you guys are great at this. You are the CRM for the senior living industry. Almost everybody knows that. Um, but very interesting today, we're going to go over some trends, some things that you guys have been tracking. We have a lot of questions around this. So why don't you open up by just kind of giving us some framework about this discussion? Yeah. So the benchmark, uh, report has been coming out since 2012 and, um, the reason we started doing it and, and obviously now we have so much more data, but the reason we started doing the benchmark report is just because we realized in this industry, we had a lot of data, data, rich report poor, right? So we wanted to be able to aggregate data from all over and people wanted that they have their data, but they want to know how they stack up, um, in the industry. And when we started, we didn't really break that we, you know, we had rental versus CCRC or life plan. And now we're able to have such granular data from our system because people classify their, their communities as to what care offering or a mixture they offer. And so in the, the new benchmark report, which will come out on Monday um, and you can download is um, comparing 2019 to 2020. So typically we just do the year, you know, the last year, all the data we have, but because 2020, as we all know, was a little bit different. I'll talk about that. We, this year we compared it um, because to set 2021 goals, we kind of have to go back and look at 2019 um, when we were rocking and rolling. And also in 2020, you'll see the trend for January in February, when you download the report, was great. We had the best January ever, um, all levels of care. So very promising for 2021. And I looked at recent data, January for 2021 is looking really good for everyone. So Aaron, um, help our listeners who have not downloaded this report ever, seen your benchmark report yet, um, give us a little bit more understanding of, um, is, is this national data and is this across the senior housing spectrum of care? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, good question. So uh, we work with over 4,000 senior living buildings, over 5,000 if you include skilled nursing and you know all the ancillary post-acute services. And so we we are nationwide. Um, in the report, it breaks out uh, regions. So we have five different regions that we look at. I think it's similar to what ASHA looks at, looks at as far as regionalizing the data. And and the good thing about that is you know when we have a company say in Wisconsin and they operate 25 communities, we can pull just North Central data. Because we see differences like Southeast Florida, they get many, many more inquiries than say Iowa, where Luke's from, right? Um, so it's it's just, it's kind of that demand piece. So we can look at a single client versus where they are in the United States. And also based on what that community offers, we can kind of weed that out and, and compare it. 
So it's national. Um, we did in this report for a life plan, we actually didn't include the health centers or anything. So those are separated. So we call it life plan residential, which is really their ILAL memory care mixture. And correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the first things we're going to talk about is 2019 versus 2020 mm-hmm. metrics. Is that in data? Yeah. So it's interesting because um, obviously, you know, we compared what if 2019 was our baseline, at least for 2020, which it should always be going up. We should always be doing better. How does 2020, what really was that variance between, you know, the same time period last year? So we looked at things like conversion rates and we'll talk a little, those are a little different too for 2020 because of the tour situation. We weren't touring as much. It was about half what we usually do in tour. So we'll talk about that, but just looking at, um, you know, how many activities it takes to get a move in that the sales cycle length definitely increased in 2020, maybe because people were holding off some of that pent up demand. We might see that go back down in 2021. So there are some things that, that we want to compare, you know, to 2019 to see what that difference was. Okay. So hit the ground running. What do we need to talk about first? Okay. So first of all, Average monthly inquiries, okay? So these are all of the different regions, North Central, Northeast, South Central, Southeast, West. This is the variance in inquiries overall average monthly. So say, um, you know, in North Central, they were down, if they looked at their monthly inquiries on average for IL, they were down 27%. But some fared better, the West, um, you know, they were only down, that's, you know, it's just 9%, 13%. We're kind of okay with that. I mean, it wasn't a huge, you would think it would be worse, like 50%, but it really wasn't. So putting this in perspective by, um, for and this is IL and AL. And this really also tells us, and it kind of explains conversion rates, right? So I'm going to flip this over. Here's our average conversion rates. Oops, okay. Our, um, there we go. So appointment is inquiry to tour. That went down, but that's to be expected because we didn't have as many tours, Um, You know, when you look at when you look at the benchmark report, you're going to see the V in April. So for every level of care, every metric, we have inquiries, tours, move-ins. It V's down very low in April and then it crawls back up to August. And then we kind of sat at like an okay variance to 2019 after August. So you could kind of see that pent up demand. Um, The close ratio is tour to move-in. That's closing. That's that's very qualified leads that came into tour. What are we closing at? That actually went up, but I don't want people to be deceived by this because with less tours, um, you know, it's a fraction. So it, it went up compared to 2019. But what I what I also think is interesting is our result rate. That's our inquiry to move in rate stayed pretty seven percent was what 2019 was. And this is all up for all levels, um, IL, AL, memory care. So I guess the takeaway really is, I mean, this result ratio, because we had less inquiries probably, and we had less move-ins, that's probably why it stayed the same. But I don't really like to look at always conversions because you can make conversions look however you want. If I don't put in every lead, my rate's going to be higher because my denominator of my equation is, is lower. And so... Um, but but the, that's the interesting thing here is 7% across the board inquiry to move in. And of course, in our report, this also varies by market source. Obviously, unpaid referrals, they convert much, much higher. Um, and then there are things like direct mail that, you know, you pump out a lot of volume and they convert much lower. So for our listeners that are just listening to this podcast, 
and you cannot see Aaron's whiteboard artwork that I think surely you're not erasing that right now. That was goodness. Um, but it's a pink outlined framed uh, whiteboard. And I, but I want to go back to you said you, you got to slow this down for me because you said 28% we were up, but don't be deceived. And it was because we probably had fewer tours, which meant, I think, now you correct me if I'm wrong, fewer tours during the pandemic. Um, so the people that were touring were probably already fully vetted, pre-qualified, so to speak. They weren't coming in to just visit and see if they liked uh, the interior or have a lunch. I mean, these people needed care. Yes. They could afford care. They were coming in to make a decision. Is that that kind of what, is that Absolutely. right? Yeah, we didn't have people coming and perhaps also not looking at multiple um, multiple uh, communities because of the pandemic. So we could probably infer that if they were coming, like you said, they were really serious, but they uh, there also wasn't much maybe competition that they were also looking at. So, you know, our close ratios were better, which just shows, you know, the, the work that the sales team is putting into it to actually get those closed during this time. Um, but also, yes, less tours happening. And some of those are virtual. So those are intermingled. You know, if they weren't holding on site a lot, we're doing virtual. Well, and, and so you just went where I was wanting to go next. And so I wanted to see, you see a lot more sales actions than just our narrow lens here um, in the communities that we have or that we go into. But it, it seems to me um, that communities and sales leaders and leadership teams really were forced to make a pivot to do more virtual things and to get creative on how they were creating an experience for that potential prospect to understand what they were really getting before they could actually come into the physical plant, the community. Um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, if if that could be part that we're doing a better job at maybe qualifying, we're doing a better job at giving people virtual experiences to where they maybe don't have to visit the community five times before they make a decision. Mm -hmm. Do you have any inkling of um, forecast that maybe that that upward trend that 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 percentage may stay high as we're moving forward because there's some things I think we've just gotten better at that maybe we we never had to do before. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that the adjustment to virtual is going to carry over and actually help boost these numbers for 2021. I do because you're right. So when you look at average monthly um, say for assisted living of total tours, it definitely went down. We're not, there were no retours. I think it was an average of maybe two to three a month, you know, not as many as we're used to doing. And, um, and so I think that they they are utilizing the, those tools better to cut down on, you know, the amount of face-to-face. -face. In fact, uh, in, the average uh, activity to move in face to face obviously went down, you know, usually it's four or five and it was three pretty much across the board, three touches face to face. Um, but, you know, I think to your point, if we can utilize the virtual touring, the use of video, um, we actually have reports out with some of our clients on video and conversion rates in 2020 for people that received a personal video from a salesperson, or I really like when the ED sends one, I think that's great. They converted much higher than people that did not. Um, and so 
again, you know, I think that we, those tools are going to really help and, and hopefully keep that high. So give, give me a big picture because I, I think I hear when I talk to people, even outside of the, the industry and they say, mm-hmm. Hey Josh, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, well, you know, you kind of don't want to go into a 30 minute conversation trying to, so I'm like, ah, I kind of take care of older people, you know, that, that sort of thing. Oh, that must be terrible right now. It's like, that's a terrible business to be in. And I'm like, no, actually it's wonderful. But translate from the, the, the data that you're gathering, what did our industry experience just as far, far as sheer volume of people calling the communities interested in care? I mean, 2019 versus pandemic year, what did that, what was the difference? So there's some interesting things. And and when you download the report, there's a lot of commentary about this. But one thing we did see that was real. So even though inquiries were down, when we look at the mix of how people were submitting inquiries, we always look at that. Are they calling? Is it a paid referral? Is it unpaid? Or is it web? A web and meaning web submission, not the market source was a, a call tracking number and they called. How do they submit information? We saw a huge, for every care level, maybe except there's memory care is pretty, I think pretty even to last year, but we saw a about 20% or more increase in web form submissions. So with all these negatives going on, we saw, you know, decreases, you know, talk about decrease. Web forms went up. This I think is also a testament to how we've adapted the digital, um, you know, focusing on digital, people are at home, they're researching. We focus on pay-per-click. We, fo- we focused on getting content out. I got a lot of great emails through marketing automation from our clients. I think they're fantastic. Like um, guides for uh, nutrition at home, while you're at home, things like that. Things that people can use and download. We did see a big jump in web activity. So people are online researching trying to figure out what they're going to do. And maybe, and you know, we saw the sales cycle longer, but they're waiting a little bit longer probably to inquire. And perhaps we'll see that happen in 2021. So um, lots of web activity, which is interesting. Not, not, and calling went down. Okay. So Lucas hates when I do this, not, not your Lucas, my Lucas. Um, <laughs> he, he hates when I do this because I, I'm going to chase a rabbit just a minute. Because you talk, we're talking about virtual. We're talking about how that's changing the the world of of marketing and sales and and all that. In your crystal ball, do you ever see a day for senior living when we we turn to the consumer decision making process is almost as fluid as making an online purchase at a like renting a movie through Netflix or. Uh, buying a, a large, uh, important piece of equipment or something through an Amazon to where literally you have a virtual shopping, uh, a virtual educational experience on where our providers are so gifted and everything is so transparent and there's pricing is there and there's ratings and reviews. Do you ever see us getting to that point or is that Hey, we're dealing with humans here, not automobiles. This is never going to happen. Like, what, what's your crystal ball say about that? I mean, I think it will, and that's a great question. I think it'll mimic. I kind of to buying a home. I kind of see it going that. You know, you're so when you and it's been a while since I bought a home, but you know, you, you're there's so many tools. You can go on Redfin. You can go and look. You know, it used to be you had to call your real real estate broker. They had to go to the MLS, which you know 
then they'd have to print out all the pages for you. Right. And then they'd have to somehow, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, they email it or they drop it off. Right. Or fax it like what, you know, so we've come a long way in buying a home because we can literally go. And, um, we, I mean, we did Luke has a real estate license. So we did our own, we, we did our own, a whole deal ourselves, And, um, and so I think that yes, we're going to see a shift. And I think we're already seeing it with the web activity. I mean, 50% of the source for our uh, inquiries for life plan come from web. Um, you know, they're online looking. So I think they're going to do a lot of research. And I think the companies that put a lot more content out are going to fare better. But I do think then when you get down to having to go see the house, I think we're still going to, going to need that. Um, because we're not just renting it like rentals, Airbnb, VRBO. We don't even see it. We just go, this looks good. We're going to trust the reviews. We're going to just book it. I think for a long-term purchase, we'll still see that. But I do think that the, the, the people that are putting more information, video, um, you know, uh, worksheets, things that, that, you know, are more transparent, they're going to do better. Well, Josh, I'm going to chase this rabbit hole with you, my friend, because it, it made me think of something else. This whole conversation around middle market um, and affordability, or uh, another term is attainable housing. Um, I think in order to crack that egg, so to speak, there's a, there's a big rush for this right now. Um, people are trying to figure out how do I approach that kind of like $2,500 a month, $3,000 a month, you know, maybe even less than that um, person to come in and live here. And I think it's technology that's going to be able to scale that. And maybe these are parts and pieces that eventually help somebody come and disrupt this thing is where they streamline the whole deal with technology and people are going, coming in and renting, you know, a $2,000 a month, $2,500 a month place to live. Thoughts? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I actually have so many ideas right now, but I, I need to focus on what I do. But um, I think so, I think there's some technology that definitely, I think people, I think it'll come out and it'll be, uh, I mean, right now it's really, hey, we go online, we search. There's not really, you know, there are paid referrals that aggregate stuff, but there's not anything really like Redfin where um, actually providers are um, just listing things. I, I think that it could be interesting uh, with technology and as it's the adult child too. Um, you know, I mean, it's going to be the millennials that are now going to be looking and they're going to want things like click to book an appointment. They're going to want you to respond back to their web form way quicker than we're used to. Like there are different expectations that we need to be prepared for. It's coming. I think you're, you're dead on. And I just love that. I got Lucas to chase a rabbit for once with me. <laughs> he went down the rabbit hole just like that and success. My day is made. So Aaron, Talk to us. Is is there any more metrics that you feel like out of this report? Obviously, we can't download it all for our listeners right now on this show, but any other key metrics that we need to be talking about that are, need to be on the radar? Yeah. So the one that everyone always asks me about and, and clients will call me and they'll say, hey, can you uh, talk to my sales team about how many touches it takes to get a move in? Because they don't believe me and they need to hear it from someone else. And so we published this. So I'll, I'll tell you what they are. And I, it won't be really shocking. This is how many activities per move-in. So um, IL, AL, memory care, life plan, 22. This did not go up more. I thought when I would pull these that it would take a lot more touches. And these are all people that moved in in 2020, okay? We looked at how many activities they had in CRM, which could be, some are automated, um, some are not. 
So these are just total that the, this is average. So some people might've had 50, right? Some people have two, um, but this is not changed. I mean, I think for AL last year it was 21. Um, life plan, always more harder, you know, longer sales cycle. But this is just interesting because this, you can automate some of these. So, you know, with marketing automation, you can actually send out, you know, say in CRM, they pick an objection of guilt or, um, you know, safety, safety and security for memory care. That can actually trigger marketing automation that's now personalized to the person. And you're actually making that sales cycle shorter because you're giving them content in between your salesperson having to make these calls. They're also more likely to answer the phone we found. Um, but it does take this long to get. So it's the, you know, he, she, who follows up wins the deal. Um, but these are important metrics to know because, um, the other one we're trying to pull, actually someone texted me yesterday. They said, I want to know how many, uh, um, in the first seven days of an inquiry, how, if you do one to two touches versus three to five, what is the conversion for that person? Does it go up? Does it stay the same? How many touches should we be doing? So those are the types of things that people text me, call me, you know, ask me about. And I think it's really interesting. The other one that I got asked about is home visits. And this will be shocking to you. So home visits, right? Oh, a lot of people are calling it porch visits because, you know, with 2020. But really, if you look at this, um, average conversions from inquiry to move in for uh, yes, no home visit. This is shocking. While you're writing, I'm going to tell our listeners, this is an episode you've got to go actually watch on YouTube because I feel like I'm in a huddle. Like, I'm like, she's marking on this board. You we're about, like, we're in a huddle. We're about to break and go conquer the world because she's drawing up a play here. So this is amazing. Okay, then I'll explain. I'll explain for people that aren't on YouTube. But this is inquiry to move in for everyone who moved in in 2020. Home, HV, home visit. Did they have a home visit or not? 34% of those people moved in that had a home visit. That's crazy. 8% is the no. So um, again, the, and and some a COO asked me this actually, and I said that's really interesting. I can pull that data. So this isn't in the benchmark report, but I think we'll come out with a blog on some other random metrics like how many calls on average a week yield a better you know conversion. And but this was interesting. So even you know it's just taking the time um, to to do something. But I mean, I would do this all the time. It's being creative. Uh, about follow-up, um, even if you're dropping something off. So this is just taking the time and it converts way better. So I thought that was really, really interesting. That is very interesting. So I, I'm going to make an assumption that may be wrong because I haven't downloaded the report yet, but did home visits go down? The number of home visits go down during this past year or did they actually go up? They either stayed the same. And if you look at the reports we released on um, our blog, we did one a month last year, starting in, um, I think, April. And then we kind of tracked the trends. Home visits were either went up or stayed the same. Um, because obviously you're not having people come in. So, you know, going to their home or standing outside at a distance or actually visiting with them outside. Um, and obviously, you know, it was during the summer, those picked up too, because you could be outside. But yeah, those, they, I wouldn't say they went down. They either stayed the same or went up, which was interesting to me too. Well, so this is really cool information. And um, I, I, probably Lucas and me and a bunch of our listeners can totally nerd out on this. 
But for the non-nerds out there, maybe they've got their head a little bit in the sand. Why, like, wake them up right now? Why should leaders in our industry be paying attention to these metrics? Yeah, so I think that, you know, there's there's lots of things you look at, especially when you're setting goals for 2021. And I'm a sales leader. I oversee our sales. And I will tell you, even for our industry, and, and we had great growth last last year, but still, you know, we had goals um, for 2020, 2020 or 2020. 2020. <laughs> um, but we had goals. And I think that it's, you know, you need to look at these for making goals to make sure you meet your numbers in 2021. That's the reason we put 2019. So you can almost, you can either take an average or you could just say, I'm not going to look at 2020. I'm going to go back to 2019. But looking at your numbers in comparison to these, first of all, you can make some assumptions if they're lower and you can also make some assumptions if they're higher. I mean, if you have more unpaid referrals, you're probably converting way better because those convert better than other. If you don't have people who are out or doing virtual events or out in the community, you might not see as many. Um, and that's a direct correlation. So um, the other thing you can do is, to, is look at your rates and say, you know, I mean, I think one thing is unpaid referrals is a good one. We want more unpaid referrals because they convert better. So we want, we know that we need 10 unpaid referrals, right? Well, you can take, you can say what you convert outreach to referrals. So it's just a simple, maybe it's 20%, if I could write 20%. So you just divide this by 20% and you get 50. So we need 50 a month of outreach. So it's very simple math, but then you have some, some rhyme and reason to what goals you're setting. And, um, and also, you know, if you were one move in behind and you need that one more, how many more inquiries do I need to generate from a lead gen perspective to get that one more move in a month? Then you go to marketing, you say, we need this many more inquiries. So you can set really, um, you know, and, and then you can measure it, go quarter by quarter and measure it and see if it's actually working. So I think being concerned with whether you're over or under the average. And again, these are an average, not median. There's definitely, we take out the outliers, but there's highs, there's lows. This is just simply the average. So it's not the end all be all in my opinion, but um, it's good to just know kind of where you stand against those. So um, Lucas, uh, I see uh, you on screen. The wheels are turning right now. Is your mind blown or what? My mind's blown in the best possible way. I mean, uh, I'm, I would geek out on sales data. And, and I mean, to me, the big takeaway here is that in 2021, you cannot leave anything on the table. And if you are not tracking this stuff, you're basically, uh, I mean, you're just, you're hurting your organization. You're, you're hurting your ability to provide the great services that you provide to those that need it. And you're going to lose to the competition down the street. Um, and it's, you know, where occupancy is at an all-time low um, historically for obvious reasons because of coronavirus. Um, you know, now is the time to regroup and get a strategy and you cannot execute on a strategy if you don't have data and you don't, you're not able to track it. Well, and I'll tell you what I love about what you guys are doing, Aaron. I, I feel like for quite a while now in our industry, we've done an okay, um, some of us better than others, job of like gathering data or entering data. And then 
we never do anything with it. So I love that you guys are aggregating this and putting it into a useful package that we can actually understand some behaviors that are happening, that are changing um, in the marketplace so that we can actually make educated decisions on strategies as leaders to to hit the marks. And so that's really, really exciting um, what you guys have done. And, um, and a shout out to Lucas as well, because he's not on with us. And, you know, I, I'm curious, um, just let's set the numbers aside for a second, if we can. Um, most, uh, I think, people, humans in the world, when they think about working with their spouse, they would probably rather jump out of the w- window that I'm sitting beside right now. You guys seem to make it work. What's the secret? It's, it, that's a great question. So when I present my my one liner is, um, you know, we we own the business together, and yes, we are still married. And then everyone laughs. Um, but I get that question a lot, and um, you know. First of all, we're pretty solid, um, but but I, I can say, you know, even solid people probably are like, oh, I couldn't work with my spouse. I think the big we kind of got lucky on this is that we're really good at different things. And so when you're really good at different things and you stay in your lane and you you admit to I'm good at this and not so good at this, I do think that helps. Um, and I think that we, you know, we keep each other honest. We um, challenge each other. And it's been especially difficult during COVID because we've been home and our kids are home and we work together and we had to make rooms into offices. So, um, but it's, you know, I just enjoy, I mean, Luke's, you know, one of the smartest people I've ever met and he's very encouraging and he's kind of just one of those people that doesn't stifle, you know, he, he's not the one that when you say something, he immediately says things of all the problems that, that come with that. Um, he's more of a, yeah, we should look into that kind of person. Um, so he does give our, our executives the opportunity to really lead, which I like, and, and he is a great leader. He leads by example. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm more of a, you know, let's do this. Let's get this done. He's more of the visionary. So he kind of thinks of it. And then I, I can, I can uh, make it happen and execute. So, um, but yes, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's been about 10 years and um, we threw two kids in the mix. And so, um, you know, I, I do think they're sometimes like, stop talking about work <laughs> and they're five and six. So they know, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a really great journey. And um, you know, I think that as far as just, looking at the data, you know, to your point about just utilizing the data and looking at it, I mean, what we're doing now with the reporting piece, and that was really something we invested heavily in. It's something Luke and I are very passionate about getting out to everyone and, you know, making it free for people to look at. But for our clients, especially as far as goal setting and getting those and implementing them, we now have, you know, goal modules where we'll actually, you can click a button and it will upload all of this, the benchmarks. And that way, if you're new or you haven't, uh, you know, you don't really know where to start, you can always go in and edit it, but it gives you a starting point. And so that was really important. And we're going to continue to evolve our offerings. I love real-time dashboards. You can just look at, you know, online, um, kind of like, you know, some of the ones we look at now on just stats um, for, for coronavirus, for example. So those are some of the things we like to do. We like to get that information out and it's, it's fun for us. So, um, you know, I think that anyone who wants a, some sort of statistic, email me, you know, usually we have the data. It's just about, you know, what do you want it to look like? Um, what do you want or what do you want to get out of it? So, well, um, I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you, those that haven't already, but thank you for 
what you guys do at Inquire. Thanks for the benchmark overview that you've given us today. I know everybody's going to be eager to download more. And um, I know Lucas is going to tell them how to do that. No doubt, btgvoice.com, where you can access all of our shows. And a big thanks to Aaron and Lucas and the entire team there at Inquire. Josh, we cannot do Bridge the Gap without our partners and our supporters. And Inquire has been an incredible partner. And it's just a great relationship because what you guys are providing is so needed. And so we encourage all of our listeners to check you out. Go to our partner page at btgvoice.com. You can also access all of our social links. We'll make sure that we put all of Aaron's information in the show notes um, and you can get all the information there. Uh, With that being said, thanks for everybody for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you are informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.